Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to episode 30, the big 3-0 of Valley of the Sun Sunday Scaries. I am your host, as always, Sean Nickel, coming at you from the beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, today on our podcast, we have Eric Markstrom. Uh, is a friend of mine from college who went to Australia with me, who has gone through a pretty crazy kind of path over the last couple of years. Right out of college, he moved out to Iowa, then back to Michigan for a little bit, and then actually got a brand new job in the middle of a global pandemic. And we'll be moving out to California in about, man, less than a month now. So wanted to bring him on and kind of talk the perspective of what it's like to make a move from Iowa all the way out to um, California, very different opposite things. And also he's been a big follower since the beginning and he always gives me a ton of feedback and I thought it'd be kind of cool just to have him come on and just give his perspective on a few different things. I'm even more excited for down the road getting to have him on after he makes the transition and moves out to California. But uh, without further ado, I'll let Eric come on and tell his story. Uh, Take it away. All right, welcome back. We are on episode 30 of Valley of the Sun Sunday Scaries. I have Eric Markstrom on with me. He is one of my good friends from college. We went to Australia together. He has had quite a journey in terms of where he's lived and where he's headed. Uh, just took a new job with Rivian. He's going to be heading out to California. He's currently in Michigan. He was in Iowa for a little bit. I'm going to turn it over to you, Eric, to kind of talk about your journey after college, and we'll dive right into this thing. Thank you, Sean, and thank you for the invite. Uh, like you said, right after college, I was out in Iowa. I was working for John Deere. I had an internship with them, and we rolled that into the uh, supply chain uh, rotational program they have. So I started as a forecast analyst for service parts. I was sitting in front of a screen looking at spreadsheets uh, all day long. And my second rotation, uh, I was able to get into the combine uh, facility, the harvester uh, facility, and buying electrical components for operations. So if you remember in 2014 and 2015, there was that fiscal cliff and that changed a lot for uh, what the the farmers were allowed to buy. So there weren't too many jobs that were open right right when I was finishing my rotations. Uh, Took a look and uh, was queued up to to apply at GM in their electrical uh, team. So I started buying antennas, which doesn't sound very fun, but it was actually pretty cool. And uh, was there for two years, went into the bust electrical centers and was there for another year and a half, uh, which is when I left GM and went to finish my MBA full time. And this spring, I, I got my new job at Rivian. And now I'm at the I'm at the low voltage electrical team with Rivian. So um, I guess that's a good place to start um, because that's 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 a kind of a scary career arc where like all of a sudden you think you're going to be in one field and then something crazy happens and then you go to transition to another field and then for instance a global pandemic happens right. Um, so what's going through your mind you know as you as you move from you know GM a very safe you know, very stable company, very big name, um, moving on to something completely different, like getting your MBA and then going into, you know, another company. It takes a lot of self-reflection. You got to, you got to be comfortable with what your, what your plan is um, and comfortable with the fact that that plan is going to change and, and you just got to commit to it. Um, like you said, a lot of folks see a, a job with General Motors and anyone else in the big three as something that, that works, it's going to be there. And, and my decision was that I, while I did like working uh, in my job, I'm still in the same type of job. Um, I had to sit down and say, okay, well, what do I really want to be doing? And at the time, my MBA uh, was was easily the the most fun I was having during the week. My classmates were incredible, and I enjoyed everything I was doing. And I said, hey, I think I just got to commit to one of the greatest things that's in my life right now, and take the scary leap. Uh, fortunately, I had a lot of friends and family that were supporting me, 
I was able to, to take care of that financially because that's obviously a very big cost for people, uh, any school you go to. And I was able to, to really dive in, defend myself pretty well in some interviews and, and then got my job at Rivian. So uh, it, it's mostly, mostly to do with uh, committing to that change, committing to that plan and just um, plugging away at it, which you've, you've talked to a lot of your guests in the past about too. And, and I, I, I think that was absolutely correct what they said. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to start too, where, you know, you talk about, and this is something where some people have it and some people don't. And, and that is a very strong support system because when you are getting ready to make a decision like, Hey, I'm just going to quit this, go all in on my MBA and then focus on, you know, life after that, you know, it can be a little challenging if you don't have, you know, a, a network of people around you that either one believe in you or two support you. So if you kind of want to talk about that, maybe, you know, what that's like to have a support system. And then maybe if you don't have a support system, what you can do to hopefully get one, if that makes sense. So I was lucky that my parents were the kind of folks that would say, I don't think I would have done this, but I know that's different for you. And we got your back. Uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, I've been living <laughs> in my parents' place, so they, they were willing to take me on. And um, it's not fun to turn 30 and move into your parents' place and become a student and not have a job, really. I was, I was helping bake bread at, at a great harvest in town. So it's a big change and it's scary, but you, you, when you latch on to the, to the support that people give you, um, then, then that's how, that's how you, that's how you make it personally. Um, and, and that's how you can, you can have the patience to, uh, to keep pushing yourself for what you want to do. I, I of course had plenty of coworkers, other friends, uh, uh, relationships that, that they not only didn't understand it, but, but would kind of tell me this sounds like a bad idea. And, and you just say, hey, listen, I don't think getting my MBA uh, and doing it wholeheartedly is a, is a bad idea. And sometimes those, those aren't the right folks to, to, to feel like you can lean on. And, and you just got to take stock of, of what you're going to try and use as the wind in your sails. Um, but I was able to plow through, especially because of my, my parents. I owe a lot to them, not only financially, but for them to be excited for me every time I did uh, a good interview, a good project, and, and to you know, really be geeked. Um, they were excited for me every time I did something I was proud of. So um, that I was lucky to have that in the first place. I know a lot of people, they are their own support system. And you and I have talked about uh, Simon Sinek and, um, oh, yeah. and yep. Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I listen to them a lot and they have a lot of good pearls of wisdom that, you know, sometimes you are your own support system. If you've got a great idea and you know how to make it work, you know, listen to people that know how to help you make it work. They might not be your support system, but find people that are going to help you sharpen up. And if there are, if there are, if there are people that are doubting you, if there are haters, whatever, whatever you want to call them, um, don't listen to them because you know, you're onto something and, and it, more often than not, you're going to be on the, the greener pastures, right? I've always find it kind of weird. Um, and I don't, maybe this is how I've always thought, and maybe it might just be a family to family thing, but why do you think it is that, you know, you, you mentioned before, like, well, no one wants to move back in with their parents at 30. Like, why do you think that it's, that's become kind of like a weird taboo thing? Like that it's like frowned upon to do, because like, think about this, you moved in with your parents for an extra year or two while you're getting an MBA. So it's not like you aren't doing anything with you. Like you're literally getting an MBA and then now you're moving to California and you know, without, you know, living with your parents, like a lot of people might not be able to accomplish something like that. You know what I mean? So why do you think mm -hmm. it's become kind of like a weird taboo thing? Cause I've even thought like if I ever had to go back home and I was going to try and do something in between jobs, I would for sure live with my parents. I wouldn't even think twice about it, but yeah. I know that it feels like it's taboo. And I think it's even specific to, to 
American culture because I've talked to some of my coworkers um, that moved uh, moved into their parents' places and and they are uh, a family from Mexico or they they are some of my colleagues that came in from from uh, from Asia and living with your parents is 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 a lot of times assumed especially um, uh, some of my my female colleagues have said yeah my parents told me don't move out until you're ready to get married um, and I think our our generation especially knowing that we have things like debt just and, cri- just crippling student loan debt things of yeah, that nature no big deal <laughs> yeah um and, and we understand finances uh one of your last one of your last interviews talked about uh your cousin talked about financial literacy and and understanding that getting out of debt is a huge opportunity and a huge accomplishment uh, we understand that and if if you have parents that are that if you don't have toxic relationships with your right. parents um, then it, it can be really good. Uh, I was able to move in and my dad and I were, we were golfing more. My mom and I would be able to sit down at some dinners as a family that, you know, we hadn't had over the past 10 years because I wasn't even in town. Um, I think our generation is a lot more accepting of it and, and other uh, previous generations, um, they see it as, all right, whatever. It's not a bad thing. They have a plan. They're not, they're not being a bum on my couch. They're, they're trying something. And, and even when I've met, uh, when I've, met uh, a girl and wanted to start dating and I had to have to explain a lot. Uh, <laughs> can't really come over to, to my house for dinner tonight. My parents are here. Um, and you think that it's going to be a little bit of an obstacle in the relationship. And, and they think, Oh man, that, that would be really great. I would, I would love to be able to live with my parents, but they're two hours away. So I can't really live with them. So it's, 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 it's becoming less taboo. And it, even, even when people say it, they, they feel not ashamed, but they say it carefully and and I think everyone's like, well, you seem to have your head on straight. And if you're living with your parents, it must be for a good reason. And you wouldn't live with your parents if you didn't have a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's even a plus that you're you're willing to have that kind of uh, call it humility um, to to be with your parents and and that your your folks love you enough to to want to be around you all the time. Um, of course, everyone would like to have their own place someday and not have to for share sure. a, a thermostat or a refrigerator with their parents, but um, I, I've, I've found great success when I first moved to, to Detroit. Um, I saved my money. I was living with my parents for about six months, saved my money and bought my house and I felt great about it. And it was awesome. Um, but I thought I wanted to just get out of the house and, and now I've been here for over a year and it's great. And, and my, my folks and I have a great time whenever we sit down and, um, I think it's just a generational thing and that might change again now that we know that that debt is a huge problem for people and, and our generation might say, well, I don't want my my son or daughter to have to feel like they need to move in. Um, let's see what we can help them do so they can they can go do whatever they want. And if I was going to save money for a trip, maybe I throw it into a house for them if that's what they want to do. Uh, but I think we're going to become more understanding anyway. So it, it may just not be a problem when we're totally down for it. So obviously the, the, the focus of this podcast is always about people going through a quarter life crisis. And I think mm-hmm. that, um, everyone that had about have had on is in that age demographic, late twenties, early thirties. And I know you've been following since the beginning as well. And so I was just kind of curious, maybe what your definition of a quarter life crisis is, um, or maybe how you perceive it. Um, so actually us talking about just that is, is what we, you know, a house and everything is pretty perfect. Um, I did all the things that, that you should do if you are, if you think that you're having a successful career, personal life. I, I got a house, I was in a job and I was just plugging away and it worked. It was, it was good. 
um, it was it was that happiness thing that really caught me. And I I think because we have things like for you know vested 401ks from from companies instead of having to wait for a pension, we we have almost the luxury of saying, all right, you know what, um, I can do this and I'm fine with this. Am I happy with this? Mm. Is this really what I want to keep doing? And and my quarter life crisis was once a week when I go to class, I am the happiest that I am during the entire week. Um, while that's really good for me, that probably shouldn't be the only time that I'm truly, that's that's very true, (laughs) you know? Um, and I, I, I lucked out big time. I was able to talk to a few folks that were at Rivian and it fit really well. And I, and I got my job and I'm very, very happy with this group. Um, I've got a great boss. I got great coworkers and it it truly was me sitting down and saying, okay, I, I was able to do the things that you quote unquote should do, uh, is this really what's going to make me happy? Is this something I just got to get better at so I am happy? Or do I need to to pivot a little bit and go mm-hmm. somewhere else? And um, and and especially with that MBA, uh, being able to dive in and wholeheartedly go after after success with projects and, and group work and everything, um, I started having fun. And and I didn't normally have fun in school. I enjoyed a lot of the things that, that came along with school, um, but actual class academics um that was never actually fun until i just said okay all i'm doing is is working towards this mba um finishing up strong and and getting the value out of it that that i want and i mean i think that you mentioned gary v earlier and he always talks about you know if you're the kind of person that you know looks forward to friday saturday sunday all week long and you dread monday you're just definitely not in the right thing and mm-hmm. I think that uh, for a lot of people, they hit that point where like when I talk about the quarter life crisis and things like that, it's not like you're absolutely miserable. I think that people have that misconception. It's, hey, I have what everyone from the outside deems as a successful life. Like you have a house, you have a career where, yeah, you're not really in a bad spot necessarily. You probably enjoy what you do, but you don't enjoy it enough to not have that feeling in your stomach every time you're going to that MBA class. And it's crazy. It's hard to explain until it's happening to you. But then universally, everybody, at least in our generation, hits that late 20s, early 30s, where they're like, yeah, I like my job, but I'm not fulfilled or I don't have purpose or I'm not, I'm not enjoying every single day like I should be. And a lot of people that are older than us are just constantly like, well, that's not how you're supposed to live your life. You're not supposed to yeah. enjoy it. It's kind of how, like, how it goes almost. It's like, well, yeah, because you stayed at the same place for 35 years so you can get a pension. Like you, you had to, yeah. you, were, you, were, you were committed from the beginning. Otherwise, you weren't going to have a future afterwards. Like, and I think that I've never thought about the 401k portion until you just brought it up. But that's so true where it's like, we're no longer in the era of, if I stick around for 30 years, I'll be taken care of. Like no matter where you are really, you know, we're, it's almost like here, you're going to invest in your own 401k future. Good luck. Well, I can do that in any company anywhere. So mm-hmm. I think that I've never thought of it until you said that. So that was really interesting. Well, and, and the, the, the concept of like nine to five doesn't really exist anymore. Of course, there's operations, there's people where literally you are a defined shift during the day, but the jobs that like my job 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, it was it, it it's a lot more um, tangible. There's a there's a start time and an end time, and and then you get to go home and you don't have to be an employee anymore. You get to hang out with your family uh, if you're able to make that work. And and I think that's a key component in in our world. We have working from home. We have expectations that it's kind of ironic. Well, as long as you get your job done, I don't care when you come in. Well, of course, then people manage to just end up doing their job more during the mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Um, 
So you, you, you got to have happiness. And, and I think previous generations might have um, might have had that nine to five and then they can turn off that switch and they know that, well, I can't even do my job unless I'm in the office and that doesn't start until nine o'clock tomorrow. Um, so there are, there are luxuries, there are benefits to, to both our type of work and, and our parents' uh, uh, environment for, for the culture. Um, and we just got to keep taking stock and it's just, it's, it's really hard to talk to someone who has one view of how they spent 35 years working mm. For how how this big shift in the way people are staying in touch with with management with their um, their extended stakeholders, it, it's all just a big change, and it's really difficult for for you to to take the the mentality that your parents might have, and for them to try and understand you. And that's that's again where it's it's way more beneficial to have someone that just can trust you, believes in you, and right. supports you, so that you can help you they can help you figure out what it is that's going to to do the the best for you. All right. So next question for you is, I think that you're, you're about to witness one of the craziest extremes of a lot of people that I've talked to. So you spent your, your probably right after college, you spent your prime years in rural Iowa, and now you're about to move out to California. I can almost not think of two different places to live than Iowa and California. And so I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on, because obviously you haven't lived out there yet. And, you know, next time you come mm-hmm. on, you'll probably have a better idea to talk about that. But, you know, what are your thoughts heading into that transition? I think my greatest advantage will be, the greatest benefit will be to find the, find the people that are, that are going to make life a little easier or, or get to know the area more. Um, a, a big thing, I probably could have moved out a lot sooner. And, and I, I talked to my boss and I said, Hey, Michigan during the summer is the best place in the world. Oh yeah. And, and California is kind of closed right now. So I'm just going to be sitting still and, and I'd hate to be miserable just so that I could move sooner and, and totally miss the opportunity to get to know the area around my apartment and, and go out and, get dinner with some of my new coworkers. So, and I'm a people person that you and I know that. For so, sure. so that is going to be uh, probably the greatest strength that I'll, that I'll have in, 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 uh, in moving will be finding people that I'll be able to talk to, or even if I just have a, a, a bar restaurant that I'm, I'm a, a regular at for a little <laughs> while. So I can talk to someone and be like, Hey, what should I do this weekend? Knowing that I, I might only have one other person that's willing to go golfing with me or something like that. So I think that's going to be the big thing, but I've, I've, I've had to push myself a lot, especially coming back to Detroit. It's a, it's a little weird. Um, when I moved, I, I first went to school at Michigan tech, nowhere near Detroit, of course. The, then I went to Western and I was old enough to go to the bars. So I would try and stay around with my friends in, in Kalamazoo. And I, I seriously never went back to Detroit. And then of course, going to Iowa, um, you're never back in Detroit. So then I moved to Detroit and I find out that Detroit is nothing like I remember it because I didn't go anywhere than anywhere other than like a two mile radius around my house. And I had to, I had to start asking other people, okay, well, what should I go do? And I don't normally go adventuring very much. And so I had to learn how to do that even in my own, my own neck of the woods that I've been growing up in because I'm a different person now that I'm, now that I'm here. So I got to try and remember doing that when I get down to Irvine and, and ask, ask around, like, what do you do? And maybe, maybe hiking isn't my thing, but that might be something that allows me to say, well, yeah, I, I don't like hiking, but I do like mountain biking. Mm. Maybe I'll get a mountain bike. So I'll, I'll try and figure some of that stuff out, but uh, just put myself out there and, and doing something every week or weekend to, to try and branch out a bit. I think that's what I'm going to, 
what I'm going to find is the most successful way to, to acclimate. Yeah, I, we, um, so Christine and I, we, for the first time, and we didn't really do this back in Detroit, but we're, we want to do it now, especially because we might only be here for another year or two, is we sat down and we have like a 38, like numbered bucket list of things we want to do now in Arizona. So we like, we've done the research of like where to go, what to do, what to see, all that stuff, like within a four or five mile rate or four or five hour radius. And so we had never thought to do something like that, but you know, if you go about that plan where you're asking people like there, no one's going to be able to tell you better than the people that actually live in the area. Like yeah. the, you're going to hear all the cool secrets of, of Irvine, you know? And yeah. I think a lot of people, they regret that years later. Like I'm sure like if you were to do the same thing you've been doing, which is stay within a mile or two, you know, in Irvine, there's gonna come a time 10 years down the road. You're like, Oh, I wish I'd have done more when I was in California. And that's the one mm -hmm. thing I don't want to see happen when we leave Arizona where it's like, ah, I wish I would have done more while I was in Arizona. So yeah. that's cool that you thought about that now because you'll be ahead of the game. Like we, even in Michigan, there's so many things i never did in Michigan that I wish I would have done like, you know, waterfalls and dunes and all these things mm -hmm. that like you always take for granted, like, Oh, I'll get to it eventually. Like, you know, if I, if I were to never come back to Michigan, I never would do all those things. So we're trying to, we're trying to be more adventurous as well, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need you to make a list for me in, in Southern <laughs> California. I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do some. Yeah, I'm gonna do some research. And I'll get it over to you. <laughs> um, all right. So we we've, we've talked about it a couple of times, but you are doing something really crazy, which is you are taking a new job in the middle of a global pandemic, one of the craziest times in either of our lifetimes. Talk a little bit to that because I'm sure there's other people out there that are watching this or listening to this that are in a very similar boat where they've taken on a new role. Maybe it was like I started a new job in January and then this is what happened sort of thing. So kind of talk us through what it's been like to take on a new role and, and maybe some advice for people that are going through that as well. Uh, so you and I talked about the idea of patience for the goal. And especially when, when you're completely virtual, um, the concept of, of making sure that you are doing something day in and day out, whether or not it's, it's making sure that no matter what you're there nine to five, if that's your thing, if it's no matter what, I'm going to get this stuff done during the day. Um, making sure that you, you do, you've got that thing that you've done for the day and you are consistent and you're always doing it. I've, I've found that that is what, what keeps me level headed. Uh, and it, it puts into perspective what some of my engineers are doing for me. If I know, Hey, no matter what, if this is, if this is something that he has the capability to do and he says he's going to do it, it'll be done. And I try to hold myself to that kind of standard because I know they're working really hard. So um, especially because I have more time during the day since I don't have to drive an hour or something like mm. that. Uh, just making sure that, that what I, what I have that I can be doing, I just get it done for the day. You'll feel better about it. And everyone else is going to be like, yeah, that's a person that I can, I, I feel is, is reliable. Um, but so that's, that's more the personal side. When, when you look at the extended team, I had a friend that just took a new job as well. And, and he said, what do you do when you can't meet the team and you're a manager? And I, said, Ooh, I, don't know, interesting. I don't know about being a manager, uh, though I don't, I do know how to, I, I'm, I feel very confident in how I organize the own, my own teams that I work with and every chance you get to put your face on the video call, get the camera going and let them see you. Um, it, and the in, intimidating is not the word, but accountability and saying, wow, this person is ready to roll. They're not just sitting there in pajamas and trying to skate away with a quick call. They're ready to work. And, and I gotta, I gotta, I got to be there too. And, and then they, they, they like you more, more for it. Um, they, they think, well, this person's serious and I got to take everything that they say seriously or I should. 
Um, so, so being consistent with your, with either your work day or the work that you are completing on a regular basis and, and what you're doing day in and day out is, is what's going to keep you level-headed. It's what's going to keep other folks, um, believing that you're the right person for the job. And then, and then the easiest way to get brownie points with people is to, is to get that face going. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a funny, simple little thing, but, um, I think it's worked wonders for me, especially with my one-on-ones with my manager. Uh, we we have a really good time, and and then laughing starts becoming a little bit more uh, prevalent in your in your conversations, and you actually enjoy your time with them instead of just checking in and and having a status update. So those are easily the two biggest things that I've seen have worked really well for me and my team. So super important. I mean, even life after the pandemic, I, I, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier too, where you know the work from home thing might be a little bit more full time than I think a lot of people are thinking about it because this might just be the new way of life. Like as people start to see that you can do all of your work from home, you start to see a lot of the pros of working from home. You know, the, the commute is gone. You know, you're not sitting for 30 minutes at a time in your car. Uh, you have the flexibility to come and go throughout your day. Um, you're, I mean, on a business side, selfishly, like people that own businesses, they're not going to have to pay for space. They're not going to have to pay mm-hmm. for, you know, desk space and office space. Like there's a lot of things that might lead us to making this more full time. So the earlier you can adopt a lot of the things that you just said, the better off your life's going to be because it might not just be a pandemic thing. It might just be, this is how the world is for the rest of our lives thing, which is crazy. Yeah. Evolution of business for sure. Well, I have one last question for you before I get to it though. I do want to kind of give everybody the opportunity to figure out how to engage with you. So what social media platforms do you typically use the most? You know, I'll, I'll put them at the bottom here, but you know, how can we engage with Eric? We have, if we have more questions. Uh, so I don't, I don't post too much on either Instagram or Facebook. If that's how someone finds me, I'll, I'll certainly respond. LinkedIn, I, I certainly look up, especially if there's some some folks that are going through the same stuff that I am, and they either have questions about what what I've done that worked, or uh, they're interested in in Rivian. Uh, I I always I always respond w- within the week for sure. So uh, Instagram, Facebook, and and LinkedIn are are getting checked regularly. Well, if you're going out to California, you're gonna have to get on Instagram a little bit more. Everyone out in California, you, know, you, you, you gotta work on you gotta work on your body so you can start po- you know start posting some some shirtless photos and get ready to get out there with the Cali kids. <laughs> the filters, I gotta figure out what the, Ooh, what the filters, filters. I look best in. For yeah, sure. that's that's a the, the things you never thought you'd have to say about your life. I need, I need to know what filter I look best in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a very last serious question for you. Not not really. It's actually not serious at all. So um, one of the most famous things that you and I are known for is in Australia, we slept outside on a patio um, on like the 30th floor of a hotel. And I don't remember whose idea it was. It was probably mine just knowing me and you're just, you were, you were down for anything back in Australia days. Uh, why did we do that? That was so, it was so cold. That's what I remember. I remember it was just <laughs> so cold. We're going to put a photo of it every somewhere. It was so cold. So I remember cause our, our groups had gone to different places for the evening and I remember our group came back just a little bit after yours. And we had so many, so many guys in that one big room. And I saw you on that patio and I was like, there's, there's room out there. <laughs> and, I, and my room is not that comfortable. I might go kick it with Sean. It's it a, it a great view to wake up to. So, it, was so, it was so funny because like you think of Australia as being super warm. And when we were in Melbourne, it was like their winter. And I was not packed accordingly for it at all. And I just remember waking up just being so cold and being like, man, what? I'm so dumb. And I roll over and I look at you. I'm like, oh, he's just as dumb as me. All right. We're, I was, maybe I'm not so dumb after all. 
<laughs> birds of a feather man oh so good i uh i reminisce about the uh the australia trip a lot and so when uh whenever you pop into my my text message or whatever it's, it's i always immediately think back to, to that story and a few other ones that probably oh, are a, little yeah. bit, a little bit more risque that we can't share on here yeah <laughs> i tell i i'll i'll share travel stories or that one time stories and i'll mention oh yeah it was when i was in australia and oh you went to australia yeah i went scuba diving like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you must have had so much fun. And and I always leave out the part where I was the one in the group that was like, we are not going in the water. We are all going to die. There are things in Australia that kill you. The worry, the worry wart. The worry wart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day as you are kind of getting ready to make a massive transition in your life. And uh, I think that you're going to be really cool to have on here in a couple more months after you've made that move. And we can talk more about just business that you've been taking on, you know, your life making that move. Cause I think a lot of people are in a very similar boat where they're preparing to make a big change in their life. And um, they don't have a ton of people to relate to outside of what you see on like Instagram and, and things like that, which might not always be the the real raw, authentic, thing that's happening and mm -hmm. so someone like you to come back on here in a couple months and just talk about here's what my move was like here's what california is like here's what my my new world life is like so uh, i'm excited to have you on in, in the future and, and we'll be able to chat more yeah i think that's going to be a great conversation man thanks for thanks for the invite all right thank you again eric so much for coming on uh it was uh, it was a pleasure to get to speak with you it's been a long time and uh man I, I just i'm still reminiscing about the uh the australia days and how much fun we had on that study abroad trip for everybody else i want to say thank you for the continued support i mean we're 30 episodes in and i mean i'm getting just as good engagement as i was getting in the very beginning uh, some situations even better as we continue to grow the subscriber list and we continue to get the the view count up uh it's just been a pretty cool experience to share with each and every one of you that's kind of going through something very similar to me. But we'll wrap it up. Episode 30. Again, as always, stay safe, stay distanced, and welcome to the Valley of the Sun.